0: Welcome to our World Cup special preview show. I'm your host, Ayn Naby. In this show, we'll be taking a closer look at Cameroon's chances at the World Cup. The Indomitable Lions make a return to football's biggest stage. Cameroon will play in their eighth World Cup, a record number of appearances for an African nation. And they take on Switzerland, Serbia and Brazil in Group G with the first game on November 24. Joining me today to talk in a little bit more depth about it is my co-host Alistair Howarth and our resident Cameroon football expert, Francis Nkwain. Gentlemen, how are you doing?
1: Doing pretty fantastic and feeling World Cup. Yeah, the
2: World Cup fever is, is just starting to get ready when we I know it's one of the most exciting times of the year when the squads are announced, when when the heat is arriving. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm excited. It's but even still, it's crazy to think we're you know less than less than two weeks, less than ten days away from from kickoff.
0: I know it's unbelievable when we're recording this. And Francis, we know you're closest to Qatar. You're in the Middle East at the moment, so won't be long before you're over there. There's nobody better in our team to talk about Cameroon and their chances. And um, I wanted to firstly get your impressions on the squad named by Rigobert Song. He's uh, left out the long-serving centre back. Michael Ingaju, how much of a surprise is his omission um, given he didn't play the last round of friendlies that uh, the Cameroon team participated in?
1: Well, firstly, um, you're right, I'm already in Dubai and feeling really like uh, starting to catch the vibe. The Cameroon national team actually arrived here in the UAE tonight at some point in time. so the teams are beginning to, uh, I don't know, get set. Uh, so I guess preparations for the Cameroon national team will begin out in Abu Dhabi from tomorrow and through post weekend, as the players who play their last games of their clubs, whatsoever, and then join up. Um, so it's really exciting times, but the 25 names were, were um, dropped last night. And, um, One of the biggest surprises was the dropping of Malcolm Ngadou. He has been a mainstay of the team, uh, considered one of the leaders of the team, uh, uh, on and off the pitch, uh, very solid presence in defense through the years, um, and a very, very good player. So a lot of people expected him to be there. Uh, Like you rightly pointed out, given the last few call-ups, uh, for the last few friendlies, he hasn't been a part of the team, uh, along with somebody like Zambo and Gisa. But everybody kind of expected, and the coach had said, that there would be a return of these two in particular. But the night before the list was uh, shared, there I say, um, Sam, uh, President Samuel Leto had kind of alluded to the fact that maybe um, not everybody, where we all think, should be a part of the team will be a part of the team um i know michael personally i know he is very very disappointed at present um i have been able to try to reach out um for a lot of players it's a it's a phenomenal opportunity for you to be of service to your nation but also it's a great marker in your career and he's going to be missing out on that but i think this team is looking to play a lot with um uh, young talent. Um, I think that's one of the things Rigbert has been going on about a lot. And Christopher Wu has had a pretty decent season so far. And I think they're looking at making a partnership between himself and Castelletto. I just went blank there. I think Castelletto and Wu will become that central. Uh, pillar or or the two center backs who will hold and then in Nicholas and Kulu you have a very very experienced maybe not particularly fit dare I say player the sort of player that you maybe carrying along should you need them to see out a game you can add them Uh, If you needed to play a three, you're not counting on them for their legs or, but they can read the game, they can be there, they can help calm the younger players if that's needed. I think that's the thinking. Um, So that's what I would share at present.
0: Appreciate your analysis there, Francis, and we're going to get into a lot more on that. But something I wanted to ask you about was the team captain Vincent Ababaka. He had a stellar African Cup of Nations, scored eight goals was the top scorer at that tournament. Are you happy that he has the armband?
1: Yeah, very much so. I think he's one of those people. Cameroon, um, we've always had a knack of producing pretty decent number nines. And here, I mean, that's old school speak. Like, our leaders usually come from the people who bang in the goals for the team. And Vincent has been that for this team for quite some time. I mean, people forget he's the one who scored the winner in 2017 when we won African Cup of Nations. He's not new to the game. He's an older head. Uh, He's very experienced. He's unintimidating and unintimidated. Um, So he's one of those kind of players who quietly gets the job done, I think. But he understands what it means to lead um, a national team that isn't, you know, because we have these little things we, we forget sometimes. There are... There is the politics of a nation that also must be factored in sometimes when our our national teams step out to represent a nation. We are a nation that has a big Muslim North. Uh, We're a nation that also has a big Christian south. We have 213 different ethnic groupings and people want to identify, but these feel like the team represents them. And sometimes when these decisions are being made, a lot of these things are being factored in and we look at it and we talk strictly about football competence. And sometimes there's a little bit more than that. Um, But I think in him, you have the competence and he has been the captain through the re-emergence and the resurgence of this national team. So to take the baton off him right now or or that armband would have been a bit strange because then you'd be asking who you would pass it on to. Maybe a person like Onana in goal for example, but beyond Onana, you'd be hard pressed to find another person, another player who's a surefire starter in that team. And nowadays, um, I'm a Manchester United supporter. Captains can stay on the bench and not even play at all. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Francis, do you want to know what you and Abu Bakr have in common?
1: Our melanin?
0: <laughs> you know me far better than that Francis. it's the fact that you guys can bang in goals and you're full of confidence and um, I like some of the lines from Abu Bakr um, earlier in the week he was quoted as saying that the only difference between him and Egyptian King Mohammed Salah was that Salahs had the opportunity to play in a big come. Abu Bakr who plays in Saudi Arabia has said he's not impressed by Salah and he can do what he does he said and I quote you I just don't have the opportunity to play in a big club. Do you think he's right, Francis? Is he as good, if not better, than Mo?
1: I think so. Um, I know he's one of those players who, from a very, very early age, already demonstrated a propensity for elite football, from very, very early on. He had the opportunity, uh, I share this with you because I have um, shadowed his career for a very long time, He's a player we had identified many, many moons ago when he was still playing a coton sport uh, in in northern Cameroon. And we had an option for him at Real Madrid, uh, for him to to join up with Real Madrid. The business of the time and the president of the club at the time um, wanted a cash deal, and he ended up at Valenciennes. So sometimes some of the business decisions that had not necessarily – Created by the player, but more by the people around him, have carried him into spaces where maybe he had less of an opportunity to demonstrate his wares um, and his skill set. Um, at Porto, it, it, he, his stats were very, very impressive. You know, he, he did the business. Um, and so maybe he just feels like if he had been surrounded by better players, playing in better systems, he would have shown more than he has done. Because wherever he has gone, he has been able to do the biz. But I'm a big Mo Salah fan. And I think um, the could bees are plenty in football. The should have beens are even more plentiful. Uh, but very few are those who have done. And Mo Salah has done, is doing, and we must applaud him. But I can't take away a person's uh, ambition for believing that they could have competed if their circumstances were different.
0: I like that, Francis, and you know what? The nice thing is, you've never said that um, you could do better in better company. Um, you haven't got quite the call up for Monday Night Football here with Sky Sports, or NBC in the US, or being in the Middle East, or Super Sport. All of this is
1: Africa. OTW. <laughs> it's the bride. It's family. You know, I love the smoke in my eyes. Yeah, I even won't get though, that anywhere else.
0: I mean, I mean, even though we see you and and Alistair popping on CNN here and there, giving your expertise, you still you still haven't forgot where you come from, and I like that,
1: um, Ali. <laughs> How can I forget when I have you as the as my anchor wherever I go, even <laughs> when I go to CNN? <laughs> so don't style it out. <laughs> Keep it in the family. Keep it in the family. In family. <laughs> all,
2: all I'm saying is, you know, Sky Sports is the cotton sport and, you know, the on the whistle is the real Madrid in this scenario It's that's all I have to say on the matter.
1: <laughs> boom
0: boom boom boom.
2: <laughs> but I, first of all, friends, I I want to come back to something you said about the politics because oftentimes we speak about politics and football as this really negative thing kind of when there's pressures from outside. But I, And I think this deserves a podcast on its own, and I'll leave it here, but, you know, the idea that no other country at this World Cup, no other continent at this World Cup from the countries that are involved have such a diverse country as, as Cameroon, but also some of the other African teams coming into it, even Senegal, Ghana you know, even even Morocco and, and uh, Tunisia countries that aren't considered to be particularly diverse do are, you know, in terms of the ethnic groups and languages. And it's something that, you know, a lot of our European brothers and sisters and a lot of the Asian clubs that have qualified um, don't have to deal with. And I think that's fascinating on its own. But also, Francis, I want to get your impression on this attack because what, it, what, a, what a difference a year makes. Because I feel like a, a year ago when I was looking ahead to, to, to the AFCON in Cameroon I was looking at that forward line I was thinking, you know, Vincent Abubakar, you know, coming off an ACL injury, probably not at his best, you know. Carl Toko Ekambi also, you know, had a big big kind of name coming into the Leon team but wasn't playing, you know, you, you you just didn't have that much. And then suddenly a year later you have Vincent Abubakar who is, you know, top goal scorer at the at the AFCON, Toko Ekambi scoring that incredible goal you know, to qualify you guys in the most dramatic fashion, probably in the history of football to the World Cup. You know, you, Eric Maxim Chupovoting, who a year ago was the butt of every European football joke, and now suddenly is scoring at a higher rate than Lewandowski did at Bayern Munich. You know, how, how encouraged are you to see these guys, let alone the introduction of someone like Brian Buemo, who just provides kind of unending pace um, and energy on on the wing? You know, how does that make you feel coming into the tournament?
1: You know, again, uh, I'll say a similar thing to what I said before. These lads have been a part of, for some of these guys, for a person like Chupa this would be his third World Cup. It's not new. The lack of respect or appreciation for his talent has not come from Cameroon. He was captain of that national team for quite some time. Um, So we like him. We know what he can do. The question is if we had the formula that brought their skills to the fore. And that question still remains. It will remain for Coach Rigober to figure out a system that allows these gentlemen to be at their deadliest. Um, The hunger is there, the skill is there unquestionably, and we look forward with a little bit more assurance, I believe, that the options are there also off the bench. You know, there's experience in abundance, like people who will not be blinded by the lights, dare I say. it's seven games to winning the, the, the World Cup. That's what President Neto keeps saying all the time. So all you're looking for really is four good games. You can afford to have three average games and have four good games and you're winning the World Cup. And when he says it, I think a lot of people think like, oh, come on, you're shitting above your station." but that's his job to do as the president of the Federation. It's why Rigober will say the same thing. It's why the players, um, dare I say, echo the same message. Um, They have, we as Africans have to begin to believe we turn up at the welcome, not just to make numbers. Lose or don't make it, not because you didn't try, but simply because it wasn't your day. We're no different from the other 31 teams that will be there. We have a right to believe that we can compete. And these guys have the talent and show it on a daily basis or at least a weekly basis at club level. So we have that opportunity. But there are one or two who maybe should have been in the squad. There are one or two who maybe are there just to be in the squad and may not play. But the fact that they factored all of this in, made sure that they have a decent balance, that they didn't go with a completely new crop of players that maybe will be coming in and getting to know themselves, which is the challenge that a country like Ghana maybe you're facing. That ability to say, these guys know each other. They've been in the trenches together. Some of them have won things with this jersey, and that's another conversation, the jersey, but let's leave that to the side. <laughs> but um, they... They understand what it means to carry the dreams of the 25 million Cameroonians and the 1 billion Africans who still hold Cameroon as that team that made Africa relevant in world football. So I don't think these guys lack ambition. I don't think they lack talent and skill. And we must stop making these presuppositions that because they don't play in the clubs or the leagues that we respect, that they don't have sufficient or the prerequisite uh, capacity to make a wave. When Camun made his biggest wave in 1990, there were three players that played in Europe. So it's not the litmus test. It's not where you are and whether the world's sporting press knows you. It's whether you guys are prepared to say, live and let die. And that's what these guys look like they want to go to. And in Semoleto at the helm of the federation, and with Rigobert at the helm of the team itself, you have people who their careers speak volumes for character, and they're just trying to do some form of football osmosis with another generation and say, "You have the talent now." It's just a belief, and so they keep talking about winning. And some of us used to look at it before and go, "Like that's a bit much," but now I'm starting to respect it, you know.
2: And and I think there's there's something to be said about that. You know, when you look at your Germany's, your Brazil's, your Italy's, you know, they're the teams that they have a sense of entitlement. You know, they feel they're yes. entitled to that World Cup. And and you know, no African team has that, you know, quote unquote no. arrogance. And I think, you know, as much as often you times, you know, you like you said, you see things and you know, maybe what Samuel Eto is far-fetched is what he's saying, but it's about changing that mentality of saying actually we're entitled to this this trophy. And Very I, true.
1: In, in in our country where we reside in, in, in England, as soon as the World Cup comes around, the talk about the World Cup is one of possession. It's theirs. They haven't won the World Cup since 1966 when they hosted it. So what gives them the right to believe as much as they do? Nothing. They have a league that has more foreign players than domestic players who shine in it. But they own it, again. And there's that sense of belief that I think it's not a bad leaf to take out of another person's book. And that's all they're doing. And it may sound absurd because it's the first time we're hearing it said like this or delivered like this. But I think there's something to be learned from it and refreshing about it. Whether they make it or they don't, I think it's a nice attitude to have. When the Germans used to all particularly East Germany and West Germany before they even uh, reunited, when they used to turn up the games, very few people knew more than five of their team or their squad players. It was about the machine. And now these guys are trying to do the same. The Soviet teams or CCCP, SSSR from before before the Russia days, um, they used to turn them, how many people knew the names of their players, but they made it sufficiently far enough in the tournaments with some respect. They weren't the kind of teams that were out of it by round one. And our African teams for very long, you would have one team that would progress. And so even when he says, all I dare I say tongue-in-cheekly, and he says the final will be Cameroon, Morocco. It's a wish, but I believe it's a good wish. And that's him saying like, I hope the African teams do well, that everybody believes. He's the Federation boss in Cameroon, but he traveled out to Ghana and delivered the same message to the Ghanaian FA, saying it'd be nice for you guys not to be saying we just wanna make up the numbers. Let's go there believing we can win. And if it's you who win, cool. I'd rather it was my country because it'd be nice for me getting another mandate. And I kind of I like the sound bites. I like the belief. I hope it takes root properly over the next four years. So by the time the nine African teams are turning up in the North American World Cup, we're turning up there actually saying, this time it's not far-fetched for us to have an all-African final. I don't think it's gonna happen in Qatar. But ah, I like the fact that. One or two people think it's not an impossibility,
2: so. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm I'm so excited for that day one day when when it is an All-African final. You know, Francis, we've talked a little bit about Cameroon and the squad, the players, the team, what they need to get through. But, I mean, I want to take a quick look at the teams you're up against because I think Cameroon have one of the most difficult groups in, in mm. the competition. You know, Brazil that look like they're back to their best from the kind of early 2000s. Serbia with, you know, Mitrovic, Blahievic at full sc- full strength and a Switzerland team that, you know, dare we forget, knocked out France at the Euros, knocked out Italy in qualifying. You know, when you see those teams and, and you know, the pedigree that they have, and you look at the Cameroon team, how are, how are you feeling? How is your kind of confidence levels coming into into this group?
1: I think it's always good to have the kind of competition that doesn't let you sleep at night. I know that the Cameroon national team are best when they know their backs are up against it. If we had the kind of group where we could sit down on pieces of paper and think uh, we should probably be able to be these guys or we should be able to be these guys. Now, when I listen to people in the bars in Cameroon, and forgive me for visiting quite a few bars because that's where we get the real information about Cameroon's pulse, um, you have a lot of conversations around just how badly they think we could do. Uh, because of the competition they're up against. So nobody's resting on their laurels. You know, the game against Switzerland, we have a little thing for Switzerland because of the number of Cameroonians who represented in Braille and Bolo. We'll have another Cameroonian boy who will be turning up for them. And there's a running joke about how all we need to do is like, you know, they'll take his mom or take one of his aunties in the village and just, you know, keep her in a quiet room somewhere and let him know. That if he does the business for us, then we can uh, let us see the light of day again. <laughs> you know, but the jokes aside, um, there is a great feeling that because the challenges are not easy, um, the the approach to it cannot be one that is relaxed and kind of like we're just here to make up the numbers kind of thing. People don't want to be embarrassed. That Brazil squad. And to think there's possibly another 26, any one of us can name that didn't make that, that could turn up. They could probably field three teams at the World Cup right now, because this generation of Brazilian talent is truly phenomenal. I don't envy the job of the coach having to pick this 26. Um, and then Serbia, phenomenal team, but again, not many stars. They have five or six names that will be known to people beyond their shores, but a solid team, a a grouping of people, of individuals who have a style a well-defined and well-rehearsed style of football. The talent is phenomenal. And because of that, that's the game I actually fear the most because I think we have a history of suffering at the hands of countries like Serbia. Um, But I believe if we have a decent opening game against the Swiss, um, I think I predict the win. Uh, personally, I think we're able to do like a 2-1 or something like that with them. And from there, we can uh, see where things go.
2: Mm. I like it. And and I, and I think it's it's right. You know, this Cameroon side does its best work up against the wall, whether it's that, you know, World Cup qualifier away in Algeria against, you know, uh, one of, you know, a really strong Algeria team playing in a stadium they haven't lost in, in 40 years or whatever. Um, but also, I think, lest we forget, you know, Cameroon's greatest success in recent years was, was at the 2017 AFCON, where, you know, they were not considered one of the favorites. They were considered, you know, not even to be amongst the best African teams. And yet we saw that grit, that determination, their capacity to, to kind of ride the much stronger teams to beat the likes of, you know, Ghana, Senegal and Egypt in the final. And so I think, you know, Cameroon has that, you know, uh, ha- has that dog in them and I kind of and, and, and so I think that gives me a lot of a lot of hope. You know, Francis, like like you were saying, you know, this is a real this is a very young team mixed with one or two kind of, of the the older heads up front. You know, how much is Rigobert Song and you know to a wider extent, you know, Samuel Ato, kind of considering the future of this team more than say the present. You know, we've seen really exciting young players like Drum Gum in the team. You know, Christopher Wu is a really exciting one as well. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, how how much, uh, you know, is this team kind of looking at perhaps maybe not 2022 is our year, but actually maybe yeah. the next AFCON. And, you know, like you said, maybe 2026, you know, what's the what's the sense with with the kind of age of the squad?
1: Well, I think if you actually look at it at present, uh, median age, wow. if you OK, before we get to the median age, I think there are about three players in this squad at present who or dare I even say maybe four, who probably know this is <laughs> this tournament will be their last tournament, and maybe even their last call-ups, you know. So even a person like a Vincent Aboubakar actually knows that okay, this is me, last chance to be of service to the nation. Um, to a certain extent, I dare I say. Chupa Martin is young, but he has the ability to even say, okay, cool, I can make way for somebody else at present. Um, and we know uh, uh, our our brother in defense who came out of nowhere, in Nicholas Nkula and, and returned. Um, he knows this is like a cherry on, on top kind of moment. So everything they have been doing, and I think, That's why the picking of, or the non-selection of N'Gadda speaks volumes for the plans that they have. Because uh, in Wu, you have a young player at 22 years old who could sit next to Castelletto at 25 years old, and you could imagine them forming a partnership that could serve the nation for another five years. So that means carry you to the next AFCON, the next two AFCONs, and another World Cup technically. And by that time, then a castle letter can drop off and somebody comes and sits next to a Wu, if he delivers. Um, mm-hmm. If you look out to the left in people like Nuhu or to the right, they already have um, Baizor waiting in the wings to replace a Collins Fai. Um, It speaks to the fact that they are planning the tomorrow already, but they're easing in the next generation of the players. People like Buemo are already in the team. And Buemo can give Cameroon another solid five years. So again, it's carrying you through two AFCONs and one World Cup again. So if your core of your team is like that, uh, I know they're actively looking or trying to identify a number nine. Um, and there are many of those in the younger teams, in the under-20s, in the under-23s, and in the uh, the the... They call it the APRIM in Cameroon. Uh, It's a hard one to describe, but it's like the team that sits underneath the national team. And they give them the opportunity to play Jamaica in the last uh, or the farewell game before going off to the World Cup. Even that was another show of the fact that there's a baton being passed on already. And from that game, they take the striker from Coton Spore in Saibu. They take a Jerome who's a young man I have known very well for many, many years so far. He's spent time in the U.S. playing over there, returned to the domestic league, finding his feet. This World Cup will probably serve him well and open up a new chapter of his career, but make him also available for this national team for another five years. Um, so I really think it's nice to see what they're doing. I like the the median age overall, but the fact that they Uh, there's a matching experience with um, youthful exuberance. It's good to see. A person like Zambo, nobody questions his talent. Uh, The challenge they have is where do you fit all of this talent in? How do you get them to excel, to deliver the very, very highest levels of their capacity? So that's what we look forward to seeing.
0: Francis, as always, I could listen to you over and over again. So much wisdom and perspective there. And no people, he doesn't pay me any money, not yet. Um, I have to say, before you go, Francis, go on, give us your prediction. How deep will Cameroon go in the tournament?
1: Um, if I may have your permission to hold fire in game one first, and then come back to you with a quotable quote on day three. why why am I not surprised (laughs) why am I not surprised too (laughs) (laughs) so may I ask what your opinions are then you know
0: Francis you're the expert we ask the questions but um, I would like to see it's a hard group Um, I haven't really done the brackets as well as I maybe
1: should have two teams come out of the group be nice
0: no, no, I know, I know. Now, Zayn not and Cameroon. I know. I just, you know, Switzerland and Brazil are hard nuts to crack. But I'm gonna say round of sixteen. There's my prediction.
1: Okay, I think we'll come out second in our group, and because we come out second, we'll be all fired up to go all the way. All the way. I, here we go. I'm Listen, getting, I'm it's a, my it's a
0: mindset. We need it. More it's inferiority complex. We need it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's
1: inferior. All infectious. right,
0: guys. If you agree with Francis, please hit us up on our social media accounts: OTW underscore podcast on uh, Twitter and Instagram can't believe I keep forgetting it. I didn't forget it. I was joking. And then you can also find us on YouTube and Facebook. Just search for the On The Whistle podcast. And if you've come this far, leave a rating, leave a review, leave a comment, ask us a question. Otherwise, you're going to break Francis's sweetheart. Francis, thank you for um, all the wonderful wisdom. Alistair, always good having you ride alongside me. Um, enjoy the tournament, Francis. We're going to enjoy speaking to you from uh, Qatar, hopefully, at some point. And I'm sure it's going to be Uh, an unforgettable World Cup in a part of the world that the tournament is going to for the first time, so enjoy every minute of that.
1: Merci beaucoup. (laughs) Ciao.
0: Ciao for now. Bye-bye.
1: Ciao.